speak of prophecies that the Lord, that the prophets of old talked about with Jesus when he would come. Uh, and these prophecies are all kind of grouped together for us in this, uh, these, these sayings that, that came about in the 6th century. So the church has been holding on to these for a really, really long time. And, and probably if you're familiar at all with Christmas carols or anything like that, then probably the place you're going to be most familiar with these sayings is from the Christmas carol that we sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, that song is bringing together the, the, uh, the seven sayings that speak to different aspects of who this promised Messiah was going to be. Uh, and today we're looking at this, it's really rather an obscure one, uh, and it, I, I'm going to be honest with you, like I planned this out and then all of a sudden I'm like, it's the week of Christmas and I'm working on my sermon and I'm thinking to myself, why did I pick this passage for the Christmas morning passage? But then I started studying it more and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Uh, I'm really excited about what we're going to see this morning. Uh, so let me read to you this obscure passage. And you're going to be like, where on earth is he going to take this? And you're going to see. It's really cool. Um, so it's this prophecy that's spoken to uh, uh, in, the, in the prophet Isaiah in chapter 22 about this guy named Eliakim. I guarantee you probably none of you have ever heard of Eliakim. Um, so here's what it says. In that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your and the hand of your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. That's the, that's the important phrase. That's the key phrase, if you will. Um, the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a peg into a firm place. He will become a seat of honor for those of the house of his father. All the glory of his father will hang on him. Its offsprings and offshoots and all its lesser vessels from the, bow, uh, from the bowls to the jars. Uh, in that day, declares the Lord Almighty, the peg driven into the firm place will give way. It will be sheared off and will fall and the load hanging on it will be caught, cut down. The Lord has spoken. Just wait. I promise. It's, it's really amazing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning uh, for your word. Uh, we want to hear what you have to say to us this Christmas morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, kids, if a door is locked, what do you need to open the door? You need a key, right? What's inside your bags? All kinds of keys, right? Yes, exactly. Jesus is the key, but what exactly is locked? That's the question for us this morning. What exactly is locked and what is it that he is opening for us? What is it that we celebrate on this Christmas day? Moment of confession. How many of you have at your house that junk drawer that when you open it up, there are keys everywhere? So when I first got to the church about a year and a half ago, I needed a key for something. Uh, and I was told, oh, the keys are in that drawer. And I'm thinking it's going to be the junk drawer, right? But it was way worse than any junk drawer you've ever seen. Because I kid you not, there was a gallon-sized Ziploc bag full of keys. And they were not clearly marked for me as a newcomer. Uh, and so I spent probably the better part of 30 minutes fiddling around with different keys, trying to figure out which is the right key to open the lock. Because what do you know about keys? Does any key open any lock? No. You need the right key to open the right lock. Well, Jesus, what we're celebrating this morning, is that Jesus is the key to the house of David. 
Um, and that means that there is something that he is able to open for us uh, and that he is the only one that can open this thing for us. But in order to see that, we have to take a step back. And we have to remember that the story of Jesus fits into the larger story of what God is doing in the Bible. Uh, and so to understand the story of Jesus, we actually helps us this morning to go back to the beginning of the story, the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, we see that something got locked. Uh, so if you're familiar with the story of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, we are told that Adam and Eve uh, did not obey God. Uh, and what did they do? Kids, you remember what, they, what, what do Adam and Eve do in Genesis 3? Yes, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they were not supposed to do. Uh, and so then what ends up happening is that sin enters into the world. All right, so, so the first thing that we see when Adam and Eve uh, uh, eat the forbidden fruit is that sin enters into the world. What happens, right? They hide from God. They start blaming one another. You remember the scene uh, where it's like, you know, uh, God says to Adam, uh, what did you do? And he says, she made me do it. And, um, and then God says to Eve, what did you do? And she says, the devil made me do it. Um, and, and so everyone begins to throw blame at each other. So they're hiding from God. They're throwing blame at each other. And then God says, I'm going to curse the world because of you. Uh, so the Bible speaks about sin as being a prison. Listen to this. Psalm 107 verses 10 and 11. Some sat in darkness and utter darkness Prisoners suffering from iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. In the book of Galatians, chapter 3, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. So sin is a prison. So part of the, we need a key because the scripture says that all of us are locked in a prison of sin. Now, we experience that in a bunch of different ways. Some of us this morning experience sin, um, and, the, and not just sin, but the brokenness of this world in a variety of different ways, right? Uh, so for some of us this morning, uh, we've had, we're experiencing the reality of pain and suffering because in the past 12 months, someone that we care for has died. And so this is the first Christmas where we are grieving because we are uh, celebrating Christmas, but there's, a, there's an empty chair there's a hole in our hearts uh, because of that loved one that has passed away. Some of us are here this morning, and, and there's a lot of celebration happening around us, but we find ourselves in a state of depression. We find ourselves under the darkness, the dark cloud, uh, what one ancient author called the dark night of the soul. Some of us are here this morning, uh, and in the midst of the celebration, right, we're fighting with, with uh, secret sin, we're, we're fighting with addiction, uh, we're dealing with past pain and past uh, trauma. We, we're here this morning, and we, we recognize, right, you see the news, and you see what's happening in Iran, what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening uh, in, in, in the Congo, what's happening, uh, our missionaries in, in Uganda who are, who are dealing with Ebola. You see the brokenness of the world around you. And scripture looks at all of that and says, one way of understanding the problem with our world is that, that we are in the prison of sin. And we need a key. And not just any key will do. We need a key that will open that particular gate. The second thing that we see 
in Genesis chapter 3 is not only that because of sin that we are imprisoned by sin, but also the way of life is locked. Right? What happens in Genesis chapter 3 after God finishes uh, punishing Adam and Eve and kind of laying out, these are the consequences of your rebellion. He says to them, or says, the, 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 the narrator of Genesis says, So the Lord banished them from the Garden of Eden and sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord stationed a mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way back. Uh, so the way back to life, because the reason that that angel warrior is placed there is because they can't go back to eat from the tree of life. Right? The way of life has been blocked off. So, so we need a key not only to open the prison of sin, but we need a key in order to open the way to eternal life. We need a key and none of us can be that key. And that's where the prophecy of Isaiah comes in. It's rather obscure, but, but what we're being told is that the king of Israel at this particular time is really sick. Uh, and this one guy by the name of Eliakim is being entrusted with a great deal of authority. Uh, and so what's happened is he's given the keys of the house of David. And what he says, what he, sh what, what he opens will be opened, what he shuts will be shut. Uh, so I started researching because I had this vague memory. There's still to this day, uh, if you travel to England, it's been going on for 700 years, there's a ceremony that happens at the Tower of London. Now, what's at the Tower of London? You know, there's something really valuable at the Tower of London. You know what it is? The crown jewels, right? So all of the wealth of the, of the monarchy. Uh, so so um, every day, right, there's this ceremony where the warden of the tower comes with the keys to the tower, and the guard says, halt, who goes there? And the warden says, the keys to the tower. And then the, warden, the, the, the guard says, okay, you can pass. Every day. Why? Because if you have the keys, you have the authority to open and close the doors. The problem with Eliakim, so at the very end, right, is that Eliakim, he's a peg. It's going to be put on the wall. You can be secured with that peg, but then we read at the very end, the peg is going to break. And that's not because Eliakim did anything wrong, but Eliakim's a dude. He's a guy, right? He's a human being. So we need another key that's going to come later. And guess who that key is? key is Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the key. So um, kids, have you ever locked yourself in a room? Yeah? All right. So you know when you lock yourself in a room, I mean, even for adults, right, you get locked in a room, it's a little bit like, ah, you know, you're just like <laughs> a little scary. Um, and, and so on the other side of the door, if you're locked in, on the other side of the door, someone presumably is looking for the key, right? They're, they're, they're scrounging around trying to find how do I open this door in order to let this person out. What Christmas is telling us is that God has delivered the key that we need in order to open the gates of the prison of sin and open the way to eternal life. And it's the same key, which is why we read in the book of Revelation, uh, to the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. It's exactly what we read in Isaiah 22. Jesus, like him, was a picture 
of who Jesus would be. He has the authority in the house. He has the keys given to him. And with those keys, he is able to open and close whatever he wants to open and whatever it is that he wants to close. And so he's the one that then gives us freedom. So what does he give us freedom from? He gives us freedom from sin. This is why we read in Romans chapter 6. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. In Romans chapter 6, verse 22, but now that you've been set free from sin, you've become slaves to God. So here's the reality, right? I said earlier that, that many of us are here, probably in one sense all of us are here, and there are ways in which we are uh, continue to experience the effects of sin in our life. And, and we go to that junk drawer and we open it of our souls and we start look, messing around saying maybe this key will do it. 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 And so we go to all these different types of things. And what Christmas is telling us is that the, the key has been provided for you. But it's not the keys in the junk drawer. Right? It's not the keys that we would go to, friends, family, wealth, notoriety, whatever it is that you think, and I'm guilty of this too, whatever it is any of us might be tempted to say, ah, this, this will be what solves the issue. And Christmas tells us, no, that's, that's not the right key. The right key is the key of the house of David. Jesus has set you free. Through faith in Christ, you have been set free from the penalty of sin. That's why Paul says there's no condemnation in Jesus. You are being set free from the power of sin in your life. We know that, right? Because sometimes we don't feel that free. Uh, and one day, we will be set free fully and finally from the presence of sin in our lives. How will we be set free? Because one day in the future, uh, Jesus will come back. So Jesus has opened the gate to set us free from the prison of sin. And he's opened the gate in order to lead to the way of eternal life. This is what the rest of Romans 6.22 says. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Jesus has opened the gate in order for you and I to have eternal life. This is why he says in the book of Revelation, listen, listen, like this is, this is amazing. This is, the, this is the authority that Jesus has. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus has the key to hell. Jesus has the key to death. That is the authority that this little baby that we celebrate this morning that was born in utter obscurity, that's the kind of authority he has. And that's why uh, we're here this morning, right? That's why we like take a break from whatever Christmas festivities our families normally have on Christmas morning and we come here because we know some of us know deeply because of our faith that this is what Jesus has done for us. So how do you respond? Like how do we, if this is really who Jesus is, then how is it that we respond to him 
And the answer, or, or at least one answer, uh, is faith, to trust in him, to believe in him, uh, to give our lives over to him. Uh, and I recognize that maybe some of you are here this morning and, uh, and because, you know, you're here with family or friends, that that might not be where you are yet. Uh, and so I invite you, if you're here this morning and you have questions about all of this, that we would love to be able to talk to you about it. But there's another way that I would invite you to respond. And we've already been doing it. Uh, and it's to sing. Now listen to this. This is, I, you know, I started like doing all this researching and, and, uh, over the past week and I stumbled onto this verse in Psalm 68 where it says that God sets the lowly in families. He leads, the pris- he leads out the prisoners with singing. Uh, so when you sing, when you sing, you sing as those who have been set free. Uh, And the one who's leading the procession of singing is carrying keys with him. Uh, He is the key, but he's carrying the keys of of Hades. He's carrying the keys of death. He's opened the way to eternal life, and he's set you free from sin and death. That's Jesus. That's who we're here to celebrate this morning. Uh, And so let's continue uh, to worship him by singing. Uh, But first... Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you this morning and stop and uh, pause and simply acknowledge your greatness, your goodness, your majesty, that you have, uh, that your son Jesus has this kind of authority because you've given it to him. Uh, It's in his name that we pray, amen. One of the things that we've been trying to do during this Christmas season is to, to have our response to God's word preached to be confession. Uh, And so if you turn to uh, one of the pages in here, it says confession at the top. Uh, And what I'll do is I'm going to read the the part that says leader, and then I'll invite you to read the first part that says people. Then pause. I'm going to pray for us. And then I will prompt you when we'll all then say together the second part uh, that begins with dwell in us. Okay? Uh, So let's pray this prayer of confession now. O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can shut. You shut and no one can open. Come and lead the prisoners from the prison house, those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. Let's say this together. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us, you reveal us a life with you is a life of freedom. Bring us into that spacious place of salvation so that we can walk with you unencumbered and unhindered through Christ our Lord. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I, uh, on behalf of all of us here, I confess to you that we have uh, looked to other keys, that we have not seen what it is that you provide for us on this Christmas day, uh, and that in so doing, Lord, we have looked to things uh, to, to give us freedom and to lead the life that ultimately only lead towards more slavery and, uh, and, to, and ultimately to death. And so this morning, would you please uh, help us uh, to, to see your son Jesus for who he is. Lord Christ, would you, for those of us who uh, are still experiencing the realities of sin in our life, would you, would you continue that work of setting us free? 
Uh, for those of us here this morning who have not believed, Lord, would you open, uh, open the gates uh, and give us new life. Uh, and Lord, help us this morning to believe that you are the one who has made the way to eternal life possible. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's read this together. Dwell in us, O Lord, and be our light in the darkness. Bring hope with your justice. Establish peace with your everlasting presence. And bring fullness of joy in the promise of Emmanuel. Amen. Would you stand and we'll sing this fifth verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, the one that begins, O Come, O Key of David. Uh, what we do now is that we celebrate together. Uh, you know, uh, probably every, uh, all of you in some way, shape, or form have got some kind of meal that uh, is a part of your holiday festivities, part of the way that you uh, celebrate uh, Christmas season. Uh, and for the church, we have a meal that we